0: Welcome to Graycast, exploring the world of Greyhawk one podcast at a time. This podcast is all about bringing the classic world of Greyhawk setting to life through Greyhawk creators, Greyhawk lore, Greyhawk streamers, Greyhawk stories, and of course the vibrant Greyhawk community of gamers. Thank you for tuning in and let the exploration of Dungeons & Dragons' most classic and revered setting, The World of Greyhawk, begin now. Hey, Greyhawkians, it is time once again for another episode of everyone's favorite podcast about Greyhawk. In fact, the only podcast I'm aware of about Greyhawk. And- I think that's right. I think that's it. And you should recognize the beautiful tones of our guest tonight. This is uh, John from Blue Box RPG. Mateus will be with us momentarily. He's uh, attending to some family matters. And so, John, welcome aboard, man. It's good to finally have you on the podcast.
1: Hey, man. Scott, Wiley, Hobbit, it is so good to be here. Uh, You and I have been friends for quite some time, and I am just honored to be on this podcast.
0: Well, we're trying to get around to as many Greyhawk creators as possible with uh you know with regard to streamers and gosh we had carlos on a while back uh carlos Lysing, so okay. content creation castle entertainment um, yeah castle entertainment so anybody that's putting out greyhawk content uh we're just trying to get uh on here for your expertise your insight to plug your stuff to connect you with the greater community or maybe connect some of your community with with the listeners of greycast so super stoked to have you aboard
1: well, hey, look, you said expertise. I think I'm going to have to duck out. I have nothing, So <laughs> We'll call it miles on the tires then. I know you got that. I got lots of miles on the tires. Okay, now, now I feel comfortable again.
0: Thank you. All right, good deal. So speaking of miles on the tires, let's hit, uh, we try to get this question uh, taken care of right out of the gate with each of our visitors. So tell us how and when you got started playing D&D, maybe what edition, you know, that kind of thing. All
1: right, so I'll tell you a couple of stories here real quick, but uh i turned 50 last year uh, that was the first blue box con which i think we're going to talk about uh later as well i think and we will so i was eight years old when i started playing the game um, i was introduced to the original red box and blue box so the advanced or probably the uh, the red box basic and the expert edition and that's where the blue box namaker came from uh-huh. and so I don't remember the first person that showed it to me. It was someone in elementary school, and we started playing the game. I'm sure we butchered every single rule. Oh yeah. We didn't know what the heck we were doing, Uh, but it seemed so cool. And um, it was just something we loved to do and to play the game together. And so we started playing, and eventually I sort of migrated to the role of DM, Uh, This would have been late 70s, early 80s, Mm -hmm. Uh, and then I I never, a funny fact for me anyway, is I never had the original DMs guide. I had the original player's handbook. I had the blue box, the red box. uh, I had the original monster manual. I had Unearthed Arcanum. I could never afford the DMs guide. I I got my first DMs guide, the original one, uh, about four years ago. (laughs) So I just did my best with the game but man, it was a transformative part of my life. And so I'm, I'm willing to take this conversation any direction you want, Scott, but man, that was a, a huge part for me in, in my childhood. Getting introduced to d was life-changing.
0: Yeah, I, I had a similar experience. Um, I wasn't eight, I was 14, but it was uh, life-changing is a good way to put it. So, and it was, I'll tell you an epiphany that always comes to my mind is when we figured out what the crayon was for. Because we couldn't figure out what the heck that crayon was for, and somebody finally explained to us that we use that to color the uh, the imprints of the numbers in the in the plastic dice. So uh,
1: we've come a long way. We have, and I've got the crayon. I've got the old school dice with the colored in stuff, and of course your main tool in that day was graph paper. Yes. I still remember nothing was more fun than drawing lines on graph paper with the S with the line through it for the secret door. The door, yeah. Or the big boulder, you know, the little like, circle in the boulder, and it's a trap that's gonna roll downhill. Like that, as an eight-year-old, nine-year-old kid, that was the joy of my life. Those are good times, man. You spend a lot of time doing that instead
0: of doing schoolwork, <laughs> graphing out dungeons, man. Exactly. Yeah, absolutely, nerd central. So. Well, let's get into, uh, you know, we introduce you as John from Blue Box. So what is Blue Box RPG? You know, give us kind of the background, the, the reason why, whatever you want to tell us about your community that's uh, been constructed.
1: All right. So I, I definitely want to do that. But if you don't mind, Scott, and this is your show, so you can tell me, shut up, John, and let's go back to what I said. But I would like to talk a little bit more about the old school days have yeah, yeah. you heard the story i've told it once or twice on my stream but do you know the moment when i really realized i was a true bona fide lover and geek hmm. now i want to know all right well uh, of course matthias is a uh, lutheran pastor i'm a christian as well but i've just got to tell the truth so i played the game uh as a kid growing up in the late 70s early 80s and Please forgive me. Uh, If you you can, like, hold up a finger if you want me to stop, I will. Uh, But my pseudo stepfather had Playboy magazines in his room, and everybody's dad (laughs)
0: had those in their room.
1: (laughs) And uh, I loved the game so much, I realized I could use those. Uh, I took them, and I had friends that had lead figures and i would take the magazines and i would give them to my friends in exchange for lead figures for my d d game and that's when I, that's when i wow. knew i was an, an un unredeemable geek uh wow. i look back at that now you know this nine ten year old kid at this point that's hilarious uh, it just i knew i was
0: because man those were tough to part with you know if you're a young man at that stage of life you know
1: But the lead figures I got lizard men uh I got paladins I the men were so cool I got a whole pack of lizard men for I forget what year of the playboy magazine was uh so that's that's when I knew I I was a true geek and that game brought so much to me through the years um I played it all the way up into high school I got caught up in the satanic panic after high school uh, which is a whole other story. We're going to do that on our stream here soon. But uh, this game was formative for me in terms of creation, uh, imagination, reading, vocabulary, presenting, leading. I learned so much from playing this game. In my So I, I didn't mean to interrupt you because I do want to no, no, talk no. about the box, but these things were critical to me. As a young man so it was Phoenix Arizona a Tempe actually was a suburb of Phoenix at the time. Uh, And yeah okay great and uh, this thing was a huge part of my growing up as a kid, Uh, so I can't understate how overstate rather how important this was to me as I grew.
0: Yeah. Well, and it's, it's kind of like a little mini sandbox for life skills, man. Like you you mentioned leading and getting along with others and convincing and persuading and backing off when you're taking over things, you know, there's so many social skills, not to mention the, you know, the incredible vocabulary that you spoke of the reading comprehension and problem solving. And I mean, it's a, it's a literal life sandbox. Uh, So yeah, I can relate to all of that. Absolutely.
1: Curse you for the better term, mini sandbox. I'm taking that now.
0: It's all yours, man. Share and share like. Absolutely. So uh, Tempe, Arizona, I'm happy to report there's an excellent, uh, what is that? FLGS from a local game store there. Oh, yeah, uh, I've got okay. family in Tempe. We were out there a few years ago. And my son and I got into Magic the Gathering uh, quite some time ago and we always would look if we're in a new town or somewhere where we hadn't found a card shop and they have a really, really great, of course, Arizona State's right there. Yeah. So any college campus and they have all the books and all the things. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. All right. So Blue Box. All right. So the story of Blue Box, let me take this in two steps, uh, tell you how it got started. And then I'm going to tell you what we're about. So I mentioned the satanic panic. I stopped playing the game uh, for probably 10 years, uh, circa 25 to 35 it's it's probably not exact but close uh because i'm a christian and i really wanted to do the right thing and i i kind of bought into that which i so regret then i had uh, some kids that were eight and five or nine and six at the time and i started thinking about what this game brought to me all the things we just talked about and i thought man you're being dumb you learned so much from this game your vocabulary, the reading, the leadership, the skills—you should bring this to your family. So, when my daughter was, um, I think, eight, my son was five, or might have been nine and six. They'll watch this and or listen to this, and they'll correct me. But it was really close. I said, "Let's bring the game back in." So I, I went, I searched the internet, and I found the Open Gaming License stuff I could download for free. I printed it all out. I was uh, teaching Sunday school. I was a an assistant pastor, I was teaching a Bible college class at the time. And so I was like, I shouldn't go and buy the books. The books would be, I was still kind of caught up, (laughs) go, don't (laughs) go that far. Just download, you can print them out. They're free. You didn't pay for them. It's okay to play. Um, I'm sorry. I kind of That's how it I, starts, John. I, know, I don't think, I, I've never told anyone that before. Next I think, thing you
0: know, you got a battle map and some dice. <laughs> exactly.
1: <laughs> so I did. And uh, I brought it home. And my wife, she's a she's a pastor's daughter, and she is a she's a great woman, straight as an arrow, like just really down the line. She was very skeptical at first. Um, but she also liked the ga- the family playing games together. So the next thing you knew, we were sitting down around the table, we're rolling dice. We we're running basically like basic edition rules, super simple as a DM. I got these little kids. I'm guiding them along. Well, that grew and grew and grew. And we played our first campaign together from the time my daughter was nine until she was 18. So it was a nine-year oh, wow. campaign. Wow. And we finished the final session uh, with the last song in the. I forget the. In the, I always forget this. I'm 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 embarrassed. I do, but in the Lord of the Rings, uh, you have the Return of the King and the final theme song, and it's sort of this majestic thing. Yeah. Is, uh, the elves sail off and uh, Aragorn is assuming and he's so I played that in the background and we finished the the final session and the whole family is like around this table together crying and weeping and hugging each other and it was just like this most magical moment and for me uh, that was the most validating you did the right thing bringing this into your family then about two years later um, I'm still we're still playing we started a different campaign and it was my son, uh, who's now 20 years old. He's a junior at a local college here. And he came to me at that time. And he said, Dad, you need to stream this on Twitch. And to me at that time, Twitch was a place for like Fortnite players and uh, you know fast Twitch Call of Duty kids that I could never catch up with. And I said, like, why would I do that? No one wants to watch me play D&D. And he's like, Dad, no, you should, you should stream this on Twitch. So I did, and that was how Blue Box was born. Um, so I got some other comments about the purpose or why we do it, but let me stop there because I have monologued for about four minutes.
0: How long has it been since you started the stream then, John? About two, a little over
1: two years. Two years,
0: yeah. And it's, man, it's grown into quite a nice community. You've got a, a following, you've got regular streamed games. Yeah. Um, man, and you're doing it right. It's, it's about the gaming. That's the thing I, when I sit and watch games, the the joy uh that i see coming from you it just emanates i mean you're just a beacon you're just one of those people but but it it washes across all the players and you pull so much emotion and uh just happiness out of the wow. group um and they respond and then it spills into chat and it's uh it's a great channel man it's entertaining it's uh it's good DD if i could be so judgmental you know i mean it's <laughs> you guys play by some rules there's you know there's some rigor to it um, you've got Greyhawk, you've got, uh, all kind of cool stuff. So I, that, you know, that's why we wanted to have you on, man. It's great content.
1: Well, Hey Scott, thank you so much. Um, I appreciate that. And of course we're all out there, we're hustling and just trying to grow the community. And I like bringing people into the game. To me, it's not about money. It's not about fame. It's not about viewer count. It's about growing the game that I love that meant so much to me. And, uh, I'm glad to be on your show tonight and I love what you're doing as well and uh, matthias has been super quiet he's got a family he's dealing with here but uh matthias any thoughts you have or comments
2: no i mean we need to have an episode on on gray about the satanic panic because that's 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 interesting stuff um and um you know drawing from even guys you mentioned like tolkien and others who are strong christians who make fantasy worlds there's nothing wrong with that at all um but no, I I have seen a couple of your games on online, uh, but you know how life is.
0: <laughs> life is no excuse. Watch all my games. Allsequence. That's, right. That's right. And That's if you right. can't catch them live, get them on YouTube. That's right. Come on, man. Yeah. Uh-huh. So I'm curious because you do this a little bit. Everybody has like a favorite edition and it's usually right. like one, a solid edition that I really like. You're a little bit different. So tell us a little bit about kind of your rule set. Um, Cause it's not an edition specifically. So tell, tell our listeners a little bit about that, John.
1: Yeah. Thank you, uh, Scott. So I'd say in introduction uh, talking about the channel, our core purpose, and I'm big on core purpose and core values, I do this everywhere I go. Any any entity, whether it's a business, a side hustle, a Twitch channel, have a core purpose and a set of core values. Our core purpose is defined as weaving fantasy roleplay tales that thrill and inspire childlike wonder for all ages. Now, when you hear childlike wonder, that can sound like, oh, it's a kiddie channel. No. The wonder, the imagination is something that I want to inspire. I don't care if you're 50 or five if you're 60 or six or 70 or seven we just lost someone last night Uh shout out to uh mark uh he was roy D player triple eight he just passed away yesterday um and he was an incredible member of our community a grandfather uh he loved being in our community and he was a member of our friday night crusades as well so i don't care if you're seven or 70 telling great stories Every age loves watching the Lord of the Rings. Uh, Every age loves hearing these tales of wonder. So when you hear me say inspiring childlike wonder, it's not about making it for kids. Now, we do modulate. uh, We have lots of innuendo. We have a few words that occur. That's fine. uh, But you will not find on our channel something which is inaccessible to all ages. And that's a a key part for me. Um, Now, to your, your main question, what was your main question i forgot <laughs> um asking about your additions yeah what, okay uh, yeah. what additions are you running so i started of course with basic uh which is pre-1e uh this is when elves were a class and a race when dwarves were a class we talked about that last night on lma uh oh, man yeah exactly so that's where i started uh then when i cobbled together a few uh pennies uh to get my first player's handbook for a you know a d and uh, d player's handbook advanced edition the cool demon with the rubies in his eyes yeah, uh yeah. which probably was the start of the satanic panic i loved uh that stuff and i started playing that game as i grew through the years i played 2e uh had dragon magazines which i've got a whole stack of them on my shelf Unearthed Arcanum is probably my fa- my favorite book of all time. Uh, I don't know why. Well, Fiend Folio, probably Unearthed Arcanum, Fiend Folio. Those two. Yeah, I see it. I see. It. <laughs> you got them. <laughs> well done, Mateus. Uh, so I love Fiend Folio and Unearthed Arcanum. Um, and then as the game grew, I like three E and three point five. And look, I know it's fun to throw shade at four. I never played four, but I think that was during the period I was sort of unplugged from the game anyway. Sure. So. I know lots of people like 4E had some of the greatest artwork. It was incredible, the artwork. And I know people that love picking up the 4E rule books and reading them. So no shade on 4E people, uh, just not an edition I ever played. And then 5E is a game that I think has become the most accessible version of the game across the globe and is bringing in more people across the entire community. It's it's, it's an amazing system. D&D Beyond, you hear me talk about this a lot on my channel. Um, So... I can play any edition, uh, whether it's Thaco and, uh, you know, inverse uh, armor class and really hard like sleep is no saving throw. And I I can do that. I can do 5e. I can do 3.5 Pathfinder. Now, that means I have to look up rules sometimes. I'm okay with that. Yep. I don't have to be the expert. You can't learn all seven systems out there and feel like you have to be the expert on every single one. So I'm fine with, I want to meet the players where they are. To me, it's about telling great stories. I want to tell great stories. I want to have thrilling combat. I want people to be afraid of dying because that should be part of D&D to me. And that's a reputation I didn't really seek, but I think I've gained because I've had lots of player deaths. Uh, But to me, it's about, I try to run the game. Scott, Mateus, this is, I think, here's my, my bottom line. I would run the game that I would want to play in yeah. and that's what I do
0: yeah so your rule set in your you run a streamed game on Tuesday nights in Greyhawk um, and that rule set is kind of an amalgam or a little bit of a blend is that
1: yep the yep. right
0: way to classify that
1: yeah so your core on Tuesday night is 3.5 and Sunday is 3.5 but I lean on 1e 2e so for example I've had a 1e Cavalier Uh, The 1E Cavalier rule set includes uh, skill or uh, attribute bonuses as you level up. So strength and dexterity and con, uh, you get percentile dice as you level up. I love that. Um, Or I love the Barbarian with the ability to move further and get that D12. And I I think one of my concerns with 5E, and this is not a negative because I play 5E, overbalancing. To me, it's nerfing. Uh, you know, I, I don't want to overbalance. I, I want the game to feel like, oh, you chose a wizard back in the in one days, you guys know this. Uh, wizard D4, D freaking four for your hit points, right? Yeah. You were a walking pincushion. You could con not- was your dump stat. <laughs> <laughs> right. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. But but what was the counterbalance? What happens when you're a 10th level wizard? Right? You're obliterating everything in sight so when we overbalance i think we remove some of the fun and the uniqueness of each character class and so that's why i like blending the additions i play a core three five because i think it has uh, a good amalgam of all the additions uh but i do pull in some five e i like advantage i think that's fun inspiration i think that's a good role play element Uh, but i do love some of those one e elements as well and so i play a a, you know a john edition i guess you'd call it Uh, that is just intended to. And when there's 60, I'll find things in 60. I like, and I want to tell great stories with people that want to role play and have thrilling combat.
0: Yeah, I love it. Well, you, I'll tell you, you accomplish those things uh, on your channel. The, the upset just absorbed and I, you know, I've watched a lot of D&D. That's how I rediscovered d and I discovered Twitch and then i was like, wait, are they playing D&D on there? <laughs> and then I got pulled into it and here we are. Um, I've, you know, got my own stream and everything. So who knew? But yours is one that I can just sit and watch. A lot of them I'll put on, have them in the background. Maybe I'm doing a little game prep or doing something else. But between your descriptive... Uh, abilities as a DM and the players that you have. And Tuesday night's kind of my favorite um when I can watch it. Yeah. Um, you've got some great uh voice people there that do some great voiceover, you know, or not voiceover but voice acting. Right, right. Um just it's just good. And so I think you know from from what you've described when you described your mission, I wasn't surprised. I'd never heard it before, but I'm not surprised because you hit that uh with some regularity. I think you you're out there doing your mission. That's wow. wow, thank yeah. you, scott Absolutely. Man. So, thank so, you. Man. So
2: so t- t- tell what? me about your uh, your Greyhawk game a bit. Like where is it set? Um tell us about the the basic o- overview of the story you're you're telling is set in Greyhawk.
1: Are you trying to get spoilers from me, Mateus?
2: Yes. Uh, <laughs>
1: uh, no, I think, look, Greyhawk, uh, it's the first uh, gaming session or uh, 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 set that I ever played. I played Greyhawk when I was a kid, and I moved to Forgotten Realms. I played a lot in Forgotten Realms, but I always was lured back to Greyhawk. And I got to give uh, Lord Gazumba, Jay Scott, credit because he and I connected early on. And he kind of gave me the gentle beckoning finger uh, toward Greyhawk. And I was, a, uh, I was the last that was swooning at his feet. I wanted to get back into Greyhawk. So I jumped back in with both feet. Uh, in terms of where I am, I'm all over uh, the Flaness. And in fact, I actually have continents that I'm creating on Orth outside of the fl- Flinesse, uh for future games. But the initial campaign started around Verbabunk. Uh, You know, Hamlet, Hamlet is uh, sort of the canonical central area for starting a campaign in Greyhawk. It was the first module Hamlet. So I did sort of a read on that, which was 40 years later. Um, I, so we had the moat house with uh, book one, but it was the moat house 40 years later, uh, had a whole different set of enemies that were brought in. The moat house is now dilapidated and broken down. And that was how we kicked off Greyhawk, uh, awakening book one. Greyhawk awakening is the title of the sort of overall stream. There are going to be three books in that stream. So book one began around Verba and Hamlet and that whole area there. Uh, which is a more sort of, let's call it pastoral, neutral, there are dangers, but it's a very friendly area to adventurers. Book two, which we started now 12 sessions ago, begins in Rilastra uh, on the mm-hmm. eastern coast of the Flaness, a broken kingdom drax the invulnerable running uh drax the uh i'm missing it now the animus anyway you know what i'm saying uh with his fiend sage uh there on the eastern part of the finesse the great kingdom now fractured um you have the entire globe around the central city and so that was a great place for me to start the second but honestly as a dm that was tough it was tough uh, starting your players in an essentially evil, oppressed area creates a whole different dynamic for you as a DM. So I had three player deaths or PC deaths. I'm sorry, not players. I always get that mixed up. <laughs> Glad to hear that. <laughs> three. John, let's talk about the safety aspects of your game. <laughs> Great. <laughs> i do that all the time i'm sorry i had three pc deaths uh in the first uh six seven sessions i think it was um Amen. my my players will correct me and that wasn't because i'm a killer dm and trying to do that but they i was trying to reflect the danger of the area and then they were making choices based on their pc so that's okay. all uh Mateus, on the eastern coast of the finesse the great kingdom uh i'll tell you right now and i've i've not kept this super secret the third book uh, because these these stories all weave together and no one has really figured out yet where they're weaving. I've given Jay, uh, Lord Gazumba, some hints, but he doesn't really even know yet uh, how it's all weaving together. And the players are changing the narrative. So when I say these weaving together, I'm not saying like it's already fait accompli. Uh, it depends on what they do and how they do this. But there's a whole other story that's going to happen in the Sea of Dust and down in the w- southwestern part of the Finesse. And I'm bringing that as a. And do you guys know like what what rule set I'm bringing? I've mentioned it on my stream, but you may have missed it, Scott. I have a hunch. Have a hunch. I'm thinking Dark Sun. Dark Sun, exactly. Yeah. So in my third book, it's going to be a Dark Sun element because there are Thrykreen in Greyhawk. That's part of the Greyhawk lore. So I'm bringing the full Dark Sun lore into the Sea of Dust and the Dry Steps. And it's going to include Dark uh, th- uh, cream It's going to cool Mule. I love the Mule or the Mule, however you pronounce that. Uh, I love the, uh, they're just all the Dark Sun lore, I think is wicked cool. And so that will be part of book three. So you see, so book three. So you'll have a whole different Greyhawk Awakening in book three. And then we're going to bounce back to book one. So you're not done with Brim nice. and. All those, like that's all going to come back. And then these will become sort of an interwoven, uh, at least that's my vision. Who knows? It may all fall apart, but that's my vision. These will become interwoven stories that now they're being told in blocks. But then later, they will be this week or maybe for a month, we're doing this story. And then for a yeah. month, we're doing this story. And for a month, this story, and you're going to see the story evolve. I've not seen that done anywhere. And that was my vision. That's really cool, man.
0: That,
2: that's that's-
0: that's that blows really,
1: me away right there. No, that that's some
2: creativity. That's I, I'm especially interested in your um, your adaptation of Dark Sun to fit into um, Western Auric. Uh, right. You know, that's really neat. Um, and I, I want to have a future episode where I get a couple people on who do that kind of thing, who take other settings and pop them down on the other side of the the Flannis. so we'll have to have you back on for that yes yeah, for sure
1: because cool. by that time hopefully you'll be into book three how long are the books uh well it, it really depends on what the players do um, okay. for example i think there's a good uh, there's a good chance this party could get tpk'd uh they're doing some they've got some very strident uh personalities and if they walk in and they make choices like moria uh, as an example uh the dwarf that was played by evelyn uh one of my favorite characters her backstory was super incredible but i had a group of relaster guards uh, i think were nine of them all in full plate with long swords on a first level party and moria and others like uh, tall tall they felt compelled to fight now that wasn't wrong on the player's part they were playing their characters but as a dm I've got 9 full plate armored guards against a full level full first level party. Guess what? Bad things happen. So yeah. those kinds of things could happen again. So I don't have a set time. Uh the first session uh or the the book 1 went so we're at 60 we're at 69 and third, so we're like 55, 56 sessions, three hours each. So let's call it 160 hours, 170 mm-hmm. hours of gaming was book one. Um, book two is right now sitting at 30 hours or so. And I'd like to see it go to, you know, similar to book one, but I can't guarantee that if right. they, could, they could TPK next week and we'll be in book three in two weeks. Yeah. So, so, and you run Tuesdays, right? The 7 p.m. Eastern. Uh, uh, no, it, so it's uh, six p.m. Eastern, five p.m. Central. Okay.
0: Yep. I want to make sure um, we push that out there. Go ahead. So, so how do you
2: handle then? Um, so obviously, you're you're not making sure you're, that the encounters are balanced, which is fantastic because I find. Um, yeah not uh, i don't want the world to level up with me um you know (laughs) as as gandalf says you know there are stranger things than orcs in the deep places of the world (laughs) (laughs) exactly yeah well said yes yeah um and and so but how do you um how do you um deal with it with the players um do you have them roll up a new character the next week do you have them um um create multiple characters in a story um how do you um get those character those players back in with a new character the next week or or do they bow out and now you have three guys you know how do you how do you handle that
1: yeah great question so let me start with the last part of your question in general i want my players to feel comfortable at my table so even if their pc dies they know i'm going to find a way in game to bring their next PC in. I encourage my players to have a second PC or a backup PC. Uh, And again, not because I'm a killer DM, but because I try to play a game that I would want to play in. And I don't want to play in a game where I'm bulletproof. I despise video games with a rubber band effect. And you guys know, right? So they get too far ahead the games are right, exactly it's going to pull you up I don't want to play that way so I want the game to feel as real as possible and I respect players that make choices which have consequence now most of the time in my game the PCs only die with a combination of two things bad roles and bad choices the, those are they normally be, need to be together in concert I've told the story of Tiernal uh, who is Uh, he's a very new player i'm still not sure i handled that right as a dm uh because i think it was only his third or fourth session uh as a college kid and uh, he decided he was going to wander into a cave where i clearly told him there was a mother bear with cubs and he had a first level gnome Mm. and he decided he was going to sneak in there and be clever um, like you're going to hide from the scent of a mother bear and of course she erupted and began to chase all right so there's the bad decision the poor choice right but then guess what happens he's running out there were vines and uh roots of trees in the cave. i said roll the die uh make a, a reflex or a dex check whatever edition you're playing just don't roll a one on the reflex save he rolled a one so now his bad choice and his bad dice the bear comes and mauls him he had like six hit points he's dead in one round and he's he's actually uh, potentially going to be my son-in-law in the future so hopefully he doesn't get too mad at me when <laughs> but, but he literally like he had tears well up in his eyes which tells me like he's invested in the he's story invested, yeah Yeah, exactly. But I think your game should include consequence. It must include, but you don't, you're not a killer DM. Don't be out there to try to hurt your players, your your PCs, uh, but make sure that they understand that their decisions along with the dice adjudicate their fate.
2: The the way I handled that in my in-person game, uh, which went for about a year uh, before COVID got kind of put a damper on that um was when i had them write their backstories for their the the, the character they rolled i said now make sure you guys put in two or three other characters into your backstory right that in case your character dies you can pick up one of these other characters and still have this cool backstory that you wrote it's still it's still involved and a Um, a
1: connection or a hook there's still a
2: connection to that that story so that they don't lose all of that work uh I, I, I love think.
1: that and, no and Mateus that's a really good point so if you saw uh, you may, and I'm sorry I don't mean to put you on the spot but on Tuesday do. night our stream for Greyhawk Awakening and by the way uh that is the only Greyhawk stream we run but I do want people to be encouraged. So our Sunday stream is growing like crazy. Uh, It's based on the Galarian world of Pathfinder or Paizo, uh, but it's an in-person game. And that's part of what we do here, which is a little bit different with BooBox. We have both all virtual games and we have all in-room games. Our Sunday game, uh, that's gotten more and more popular partly because of uh, my wife, Jennifer, who is Cade Cardinal and is becoming an icon uh, with the rum drinking swashbuckling pirate. Uh, but I think it's so important when you're talking about, you know, players and the possibility of death, having those backup characters is good. I would just encourage it to, I've seen sometimes as a DM where the, the player gets more excited about their backup PC and you have to read that carefully um is that because you're not bringing their current pc into the narrative enough giving them their opportunity to shine or is it really because they've lost interest in the central narrative of their pc and they just they, they want to be killed they want to leave uh, If you look at Shorwin in greyhawk awakening book one Shorwin, i think rightly played by terry or machik ed decided all the events that had occurred it was time for that cavalier to leave the party he was no longer invested and he created a new uh, pc called rin and that went off that's great uh so you as a dm just read that but i don't want my players to get so excited about their three or four backup pcs that they want to give up their current pc right that's
0: right it's a fine line yeah that's great yep this, I really love this conversation because one of the things, one of the visions I wanted to have um, fulfilled with this podcast is to be a resource for players and DMs. And you are absolutely shoveling heaps of DM richness out here, um, you know. With regard to, to a, a channel
1: heaps of DMBS <laughs> no
0: richness it's real richness I'm sitting here making notes like fertilizer rich fertilizer yes. being yes. shoveled yes. by Blue Box yes, yes. creating uh, DM D germination yeah. compost <laughs> if you will no but it's good and I really appreciate that uh, you know anytime they can listeners can get something they can use uh, from the podcast um, you know that's a that's one of our goals so I love that um. Let's talk for a second about the the greater kind of Greyhawk community. Where do you see you and Bluebox fitting in? What's your I don't want to say role because that sounds like a responsibility or an assignment. Sure. but but where where are you with all that?
1: No, so I think you 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 shouted out earlier. You got Greyhawk Online, Cannonfire. Um, these are the repositories of great data. I use the Greyhawk Wiki all the time. I love Same. Cannonfire. Um, You know you got great people here that are supporting the community heck anna b meyer uh the patron saint of mapping and anna has been she's so like she's so talented but so friendly and accessible um she created a custom greyhawk awakening blue box map for my campaign uh which is sitting on my wall in 36 by 48 i think it is uh and she's just uh and then of course you have jay who is the leading streamer of exclusively greyhawk content lord gazumba and he had become, he and I had become fast friends. Um, and of Heard course too with Jay. Yeah.
0: He's
1: <laughs> just a welcoming guy. Yeah, he he is. And honestly, I call him the hardest working guy in Twitch DD. Um, I'm I try I'll try to get back to you quickly, but Jay is on everything so fast. I always give him that comment. He is just amazing. Uh, but you know, we have different styles too. Like I play, I'm flexible with my additions. Um, whereas he is really hard, fast, buckled into one E two-E. Um, and then I play like a uh, you know, a Paizo Pathfinder set, which he would not play. But I think Greyhawk is still my favorite. Um, I love playing in the Greyhawk community and with the streams. And uh so I think my role is uh, you know, I I, I you can ask Jay. I think Jay would say, I don't want to step out of bounds here. I hope I'm not being provocative, but I brought more new players, younger players, um, players of different demographics into my channel. And I think Jay and I talked about this and he said, yeah, that's the right angle to go. And he has really made a conscious effort over the past year or two um, to do that as well. And I think Mm -hmm. that's, that's been a fantastic collaboration between us. Uh, if that feels like I'm taking credit for it, I don't mean it that way. I just think it's, I can give him credit. He's done so much for me. And I think this has been a collaborative effort between the two of us. So I feel like in the Greyhawk community, um, I'm a squirrel trying to get a nut. I'm a, I'm a pawn on the board. Uh, right. But on the Greyhawk Twitch streaming community, i think i'm an important voice and i'm uh connecting with the main voice which is j lord gazumba and my vision is uh it's on my i've got brand new business cards i'm handing out at my blue box con which i think we might talk about here before we wrap up uh but i call blue box uh the alloy of tech and tail in fantasy role play mm. uh so to me i love the minis I love the terrain. I've got the table here. I use the Dwarven Forge stuff. I've got all the books, but I also like the VTT stuff. And I, I honestly, no offense. I never hooked up with fantasy grounds. Um, it just, I, that 2d sort of, uh, isometric view. I can do that on my table. I can do it better than I can do on those sort of 2d tools. Mm-hmm. When I saw Tailspire, and this is not, a, I'm not a, they're not a sponsor. There's no money behind this. I'm just being honest. When I saw Tailspire, I was like, whoa
0: i was i saw that for the first time on your recent the charity stream we just did last weekend i hadn't been on your stream in a while i'm a little embarrassed to say but man that blew me away that's all three-dimensional 360 degree angles
1: that was the first time you've been on my stream okay scott this interview's over all right i, okay, I gotta go. I, yeah <laughs> i knew it was a risky thing to admit but uh so okay. i'm not gonna ask you how long you've been doing tailspire because i don't want to hear the answer but- no 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 let, 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 let me answer because i think there's a better answer to that so um again they're not a sponsor i'm just geeking out on a fantastic tool talesfire yeah, yeah. they're uh they're from a group called bouncy rock uh johnny ree is their head he's in the i don't know somewhere in the netherlands or i always get those uh those countries mixed up sorry johnny um <laughs> but they were all old school players of a DD game which to me had the best online true p or pen and paper pnp uh analog you guys know what that game would have been think 10 15 15 plus years ago you might have played it never winter nights oh, okay okay the original not not two the I mean. original never winter nights what it had was a persistent community Uh, so you had guys building or guys and gals building persistent servers and you would come in and as a dm you could come in over the top and you had all these admin controls to create weather effects and drop in lightning and whatever else and you all joined in over skype at the time was all skype stuff and you could tell great stories with this uh tool that had sort of a 3d look to it back in the Uh, late 90s, Uh, early 2000s, I guess. I'm probably getting my timelines mixed up. Well, all these bouncy rock guys were part of Neverwinter Nights and that community, they had persistent servers and they thought we need to bring a tool like that that gives DMs the ability to tell stories. Yes, still use your theater of mind, uh, but I'm thinking of your wife, Mateus, be able to tell visual stories. um, And what I love about that is I use my tabletop but I don't have the eight foot by six foot tabletop that Jay has, right? I've got a, you know, a five foot round. So I have a limited amount I can put on this table. What a tool like tailspire gives me is the ability to create a mini like effect. And I can have, you can move from the snow capped mountains to the dense, humid forests, to the underground laboratory, to the mages tower. And I can click buttons like that on stream and move you from place to place to place. Let's say you have like my Rune Lords campaign. I've got a, I'm sorry, I'm rambling here, but I've got like a 10th or 11th Good. level wizard. He can teleport. How do you handle a fricking teleport wizard with a tabletop? Right. It, it, it's so,
0: yeah. <laughs> right, right. It's not yeah, very teleportational, <laughs> is it?
1: Just onto the floor. Yeah, sorry. All our, our uh, podcast listeners, you couldn't see it. Uh, Mateus gave the great example. Like He just like ba- made a motion, like sweeping everything off the table yeah. with his hands. <laughs> uh, so to me, uh, I'll, the last thing I'll say, Tailspire is uh, a great joining process for me with my local tabletop. So I use the local cameras. I've got five 4K cameras in this room that I use to point it. I'm not as good as our, our friends over there at... Um, Oh, they're escaping me right now. Uh you know, the people they're they're just the best on Greyhawk streaming with the fantastic cameras. Um Night Nightheart. Nightheart, thank you. Yeah. So Nightheart, like they're the best. Nightheart, they have the the coolest angles. No one could do what they do. So I I am like 50% of what they are, but the VTT lets me be flexible to uh, give my players the freedom to go wherever <laughs> they want to go.
0: Interesting. I'm gonna, I'm on the site. I'm gonna be sniffing that out a little bit. I'll give you a free license. Oh, thank you.
2: 1st um, time hearing of, of, of this, that's really cool.
0: Yeah, yeah. It is, it is really remarkable to see, um, it's really cool. So let's, you've brought up Blue Box Con. I think it's an important uh, thing to mention. It's, it's a thing that's grown out of your community. Uh,
1: yeah. The first one was last year, right? Correct. Yep. Okay. So tell us a little bit about blue box con and then we'll look to wrap things up. Yeah, sounds good. All right. So, uh, it really started as a kind of a lark. Um, uh, again, my Like all good things. Yeah, exactly. They said, Hey, we should do a con. I was turning, man, what'd you, Scott? Yep. I was turning 50. Um, Please don't think I'm a grognard. Uh, If you're hearing my voice, uh, check out my streams. Uh, They're super fun, super techie. Uh, I'm not not a grognard, but I am 50. Uh, So I turned 50 last year and uh, my family said, you should do a con. I said, again, no one will come to a con. That's no, that's dumb. Well, they pushed me to it and we had, I think, 40 people that came from across the country, uh, as far uh, west as Phoenix. Uh, we had people from, I think, Boston. Uh, I'm forgetting all the locations. Some drove in, some flew in, and it turned into the most amazing D&D experience of my life. Um, you had a really like-minded community of people that just wanted to get together, have fun, play games. So we had multiple tables, um, like a convention. We had several tables set up here, and uh, I've got a you know enough room. Probably this will be the last year the Blue Box Con will be in my house. So we're gonna have to move to a hotel next year. Um, but we did different gaming tables, signups, D uh, DMS. Then we had things like Liars Dice and critical hit dice uh, uh, table rolls that we did and just all kinds of fun. We brought in a food truck with fantastic food. Uh, everybody had a great time. They went out on the dock and sat by the pond. And uh, I don't know what they drank out there. I didn't really notice, but I'm pretty sure it was alcoholic and had a good time. <laughs> just enjoyed themselves. It was a very social event, but a lot of good fun D&D. And of course, you know, I'm pretty serious about my D&D, uh, but we had some other people playing silly d and I think this year we have... I believe it's uh, Manda, uh, Mystical Unicorn. Uh, her husband, Michael, I think is running a campaign or I'm sorry, campaign a one shot where the players are all canines. Uh, I'm not sure that's true, but it's something like that. Oh, so, wow. Yes.
0: Yeah, there's a game. There's an RPG around dogs. I can't think I of the think name that's of it what he,
1: I think that's what he's running. Yeah, one yeah. that's running a Call of Cthulhu campaign uh, or a game, one shot. it be totally uh, different than the dog game. <laughs> exactly. So like, it's going to be all kinds of fun games, different stuff. Um, and then one of the highlights is we are 10 minutes away from one of the best Renaissance festivals in the country. Nice. Uh, yeah, the Ren Fest here, it literally you drive out of my driveway and it's 10 minutes and Castle Gwyn, if you look up Castle Gwyn, G W Y N N, I think it's spelled. It is a literal castle up on a rock hillside 10 minutes from my house. I'm i'm trying to get a game there here pretty soon it's gorgeous and the ren fest is all up there it is fantastic so all sunday is the ren fest so basically blue box con is you know it's not gary con it's not gen con uh but it's a smaller community i think we'll have 40 to 50 people this year uh that will come in but it's a bunch of just really like to me what i want in my community is good people good-hearted people i don't want drama I don't want any toxicity at my tables. I don't have any room for that kind of crap. You come here to play games, have fun, connect with the community. That's what Blue Box Con is.
0: Yeah. That, that is so awesome. cool, man. And I'm looking at this website and that is an actual castle. That is that is an, that actual, is an actual, actual castle. That is an actual
1: that castle. That is sweet,
0: man. minutes from my house. Yes. That is pretty darn cool. Pretty darn cool. Pretty darn cool. Wow. So a couple quick questions here to, to take us to the end. Um, do you have a favorite region or a country place in Greyhawk?
1: Yeah, so I'll, I'll, I'll give you the diplomatic answer and then I'll give you the real answer. So, uh, the diplomatic answer is I get tired of any one trope in D&D, uh, you know, so the purely medieval trope, uh, you know, going through forests and grasslands, that's super cool. But you want variety so i like having mountainous areas that are covered with snow-capped uh mountains i love uh oceans and deep lakes i love swamps and the air. Like, so you look at the sunday and what that brings and then of course i've already mentioned my i'm a i'm a complete dark sun freak so i like the wasteland deserts blasted by arcane apocalypse um that is so to me what i like about greyhawk is that it has all of that now you could expand to things like uh you know spelljammer or planescape, and I think those are fun i if but to me, if I'm gonna play. Uh, maybe not Planescape. That's that's pretty cool in the sessions and in, in in the genre. But if I'm gonna play like Spelljammer or anything space based, I'm gonna play a space case space based game. Mm. When I'm playing my D i want to keep it in sort of a pseudo Earth based uh, topography. So. Uh, My my diplomatic answer is what I love about Greyhawk and the Flinness is that you have all of these different environs that you can move your players through where nothing ever gets stale. Whether you're underground or on that snow-capped mountain peak or in the dense uh, swamps or those huge jungles with vines that wrap around the trees or in the deserts, uh, the dry steppes with their scrub brush and their twisted uh, uh, foliage or in the sea of dust, which is just you have all of that in Greyhawk. Now, my favorite i would say I, I i can't pick one i pick two i like the traditional environment you know the the sort of the middle ages medieval uh, grasslands and forested areas and bandits and goblins and all the sort of that to me is still 40 something years later brings joy and wonder i love that that to me is is probably still the top of my list which is why D is still my favorite game of all um and then second would be that sort of dark sun-esque sea of dust dry steps alternative which is the only thing i ever really like playing beyond the core D tropes cool. nice that is
0: cool. um, and that's the thing that's cool about greyhawk is it's got it all everything yeah. Yeah. It's, it's
2: got it, it there's yeah that's right no matter what your um what, you, what your flavor is you, you'll there's a spot for you somewhere in the flannis.
1: it's all there uh, guys um, actually, i don't know how your podcast normally, am i talking too much i know this I, is good this is that's this why is you're good. here man
2: our last episode was just us yeah.
1: So, so this so, is going to be the recovery the episode for our <laughs> listeners they're like oh
0: thank goodness they, have they like have someone to stay.
1: this is my first podcast i've ever done so I, I don't know really how this works but yeah i'm just no, neither do we so it's perfect
0: <laughs> can you tell us
2: um can you tell any dms out there running games um what can you tell what's your advice for other dms out there running games streamed or otherwise in greyhawk uh a few words of wisdom to, for that.
1: oh i love that question so uh i have two answers one don't stress don't overthink it you are not going to absorb the lore of greyhawk in one month two months six months one year two years five years this is the original world of arneson and gygax you know post chainmail. mail this is what they created. And uh, all your, you go back and look at your Dragon Mags. Uh, I've got, I look at the Dragon Magazines all the time. You had episode after episode for years focused on Greyhawk lore. You have all kinds of supplements that were produced. As a newcomer, this is something I'm, it's dear to my heart, Mateus, because I bring new players into the game and I want them to love Greyhawk, but I don't want them to be overwhelmed by Greyhawk right so i would say my first rule of thumb is don't freak out don't worry about it and again going back to my friend jay he's the same way when i was jumping back into greyhawk he was very much don't overthink it just you know a lot just go with what you know work through it and ultimately we can adhere to canon but we can also create our own stories so don't feel this is the i think honestly mateos one of the biggest battles i've had with greyhawk awakening is i really want to create my own game but i want to pay homage to the lore right so i want to make sure that you know maybe i'm tweaking it a bit or moving in different directions but i'm always trying to stay at least semi-consistent with the lore that's been told over the last 40 years uh the second thing i would say i don't know if that first one was clear don't freak out is the main thing I was trying to say on the first one. It just jump in wherever you are. If you don't know, it's fine. If you get something wrong, it's fine. Make it up. If you forget the place, if you get the time of the season, like I'm always looking at the the months and mapping them out to the months of like I, we had uh, the reaping uh, was our thing on Tuesday night or the, the different drinks that you have. Um, you know, like if you forget one or you make one up, guess what? You just made new Greyhawk lore. Go with it. Run with it. Um, the second thing I would say is congratulations. You have the broadest swath of knowledge to draw from and you now have a lifetime of learning to enjoy jump on the gabbins the legends and lore jump in your dragon magazines get your uh greyhawk i've i've given away several things uh like i've got right here i gave this away last night uh the free city of greyhawk this entire set is all in a lightning source reprint with all the color maps originally uh you've got so much content out there you will never uh, draw that well dry so uh, the two summaries are one don't freak out just play the game if you get something wrong don't sweat it two congratulations you've got a huge well of stuff to draw from so you won't get bored as a dm and 10 years from now you're still going to be finding things that give you joy and allow you bring to bring great things to your table
2: great stuff john where can people find you online somebody wants to watch your games how do they find you how do they get in contact with
1: you yeah so i'm blue box rpg all one word so b l u e b o x and that's on all my socials so the main one is my twitch account of course and uh man we're growing we're very close to getting partnered um well i'm just going by their 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 requirements i'm not mm-hmm. saying they've actually told me that but i look at what they asked for we're getting close uh also on instagram we're on twitter and we just yesterday Uh, I I launched a TikTok. Now, we don't have our first post up on TikTok yet, but it'll go up probably tonight or tomorrow. So you can find us on all those socials as BlueBoxRPG. We also have a website uh, that was built, and it's still sort of in the wings. Uh, That's thanks to Honeybee Crafter or Danny, who's one of the members of our community. And uh, I've got a few things I need to tweak, so we'll have a website up, and that will be BlueBoxRPG.com. Thanks,
2: That's awesome. Thanks for, for joining us. This was an awesome episode and it was, it was, it's been great to have you on.
1: Thank you guys. I mean, I love, uh, everything I've seen on your channel, Wiley. I watched your Greyhawk uh, mega stream charity st- uh, stream, and you get, you did a great job. And it was really really fun. I think your channel is being revitalized, so uh, I like the podcast. But check out Wiley Hobbit on Twitch as well. And uh, Mateus, it was great to meet you and a, a fellow person of faith. And just uh, I'm grateful to be here. Thank you, gentlemen. Thanks, John. Appreciate it, bud.
0: You've been listening to the GreyCast Podcast, where we explore the world of Greyhawk one podcast at a time. Mateus and I are excited to share our passion for the world of Greyhawk with each of you. We'll drop episodes every other Monday featuring all things Greyhawk. Please refer us to all your cool, nerdy Greyhawkian friends and allies, even your most hated enemies at the gate. You can find our podcast on Spotify and be sure to give us a follow on Twitter at Graycast 576 to keep up with Graycast. Until next time, remember, it's a dangerous business going out your door. You step onto the road and if you don't keep your feet, there's no knowing where you might be swept off to.